G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to the final episode in Series 2 of This Week in Startups Australia. We wrap up Series 2 in conversation with Peter Brad, founder of Fishburners and now the CEO of Startup Oz. Then we have a chat with serial entrepreneur Alex Haggerty about his new startup Tagged, a service that harnesses Instagram to help e-commerce sites close the sale. Finally, we'll do a series review. What have we learned and where to from here? All that coming up on This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is proudly sponsored by Optus Innovate, strengthening the Australian startup community, the Hotel de Brett boutique accommodation in Auckland, and Studio Mint, interior designers to the tech sector. Around three years ago, I popped into Fishburners on a Sunday afternoon. I think I was judging a startup weekend. And that's when I met Peter Brad. Now, at the time, Peter was running Fishburners and he was doing this incredible job of building it up from what was basically a single floor in this building to the monster that it is today, slowly colonizing this entire neighborhood in Ultimo. Now, Peter has been at the heart of Sydney's startup community for as long as anyone. He's definitely got some ideas about what works and what can be done better. So it came as a, a very pleasant surprise when I learned that Peter had accepted a position as interim CEO of Startup Boss. So, Peter, congrats on the new gig and welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. Thanks for having me, Mark. So what is Startup Boss? Let's start there. Awesome. So Startup Oz was formed in uh, 2013, and it came from uh, an initiative uh, that we had where 50 leaders from around Australia came together and went through a, uh, a two-day workshop uh, where they looked at how they could accelerate the startup ecosystem in Australia because there was a lot that was happening. As you said, Fishburners was growing. Um, there were founders funds. Startmate was uh, going quite well. Um, so we got everyone together, and one of the... Uh, the points that people realised was um, that it was kind of a group of people um, talking to government and they're all saying different things. Um, so uh, one of the action items was to create an organisation that could represent startups to government and have that coherent voice. Um, so out of that, uh, Startup Oz was formed. Um, for the last two years, it's been totally volunteer run by the by the directors. So um, Bill Barty from Southern Cross Ventures, and now he's the uh, at, at Blackbird as well. Mm -hmm. um, and Alan Noble um, from Google mm -hmm. and I founded um, Startup Oz, and then we got Steve Baxter from River City Labs and Off Shark Tank, uh, Jana Matthews, uh, who was at the time doing uh, the ANZ Innovise Start program, and is now at South Australian University, mm -hmm. uh, director of growth and a professor down there. Uh, we've got Andrew Larson over in Perth. We've got Glenn Smith in uh, Melbourne. So uh, we've grown nationally. Um, and then recently, about a month ago, I took the CEO role um, to so um, to sort of take Startup Oz to the next level as we matured. All right. So that's that. That's the origins. What's, what are you going to be doing in your role as CEO? What do you see as the vision? Yeah. So I've got three, um, three aims uh, why I'm CEO. One is to raise some money so we can employ some staff, a full-time CEO uh, and a couple of admin staff um, and researchers to help uh, come up with policy and help work with the uh, the ecosystem. Uh, we're currently funded by donations from sponsors, so we've, we're sponsored by uh, Zero, Salesforce, Google, uh, 
and River City Labs at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Westfield's just come on board, all Centre Group. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, yeah. So, uh, and Westfield's got Westfield Labs in Silicon Valley, and they're mm-hmm. looking at bringing that back to Australia. So they're interested in the ecosystem here developing. Mm-hmm. Um, so one is to raise raise some money so we can employ some staff. Uh, two is to uh, get better relationships with government, local, well, I think state, probably even and federal. To just get relationships with government in a lot of ways. If you're trying to be the single point of of contact, then you really have to go out there and introduce yourself and presumably mm. you're doing a lot yeah, of that absolutely. right now right yeah so i had good relationships mainly um i think because i helped create fish burners having that uh, physical place that ministers could come to right and it was something that was tangible when you come to fish burners there's this incredible uh, vibe and buzz you can see people innovating and working you meet them and they're so passionate and they tell you their stories and that's kind of infectious yes so i've been very lucky to have and it's good optics for a politician as well to get photographed here absolutely so. um and they all tweet uh, as well. So um, I've, I've been lucky to have that, and it's helped me develop relationships with Malcolm Turnbull and Ian McFarlane and Bruce Bilson um, at a federal level. Uh, we're talking to the Prime Minister's office as well, and the PM was at River City Labs last weekend, right. uh, which was awesome, and he mentioned it in a speech as, uh, you know, the future of Australian Australia is being created in places like River City Labs and Fishburners, which was awesome to hear. Um uh, so that, that's the second thing I want to do. And the third thing, I, I want the ecosystem to start working better together. So when I say the ecosystem, I mean industry working better with entrepreneurs and innovators. Uh, I want the co-working spaces and the incubators talking to each other more. Um, it's still a little bit segregated. And that's, I think, um, in part got to do with a few things. But because Australia is such a big country, we just don't bump into each other at, at big events um, as much as uh, we would if the country was a little bit smaller. Right. And I mean, I guess that's the advantage. You know, I have of late been coming to Fishburners quite a bit because I can have a standing desk here and I'm down here in the idea space. And I actually have found I'm finding excuses to come back because it's exactly that. It's that bump into people thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I had and I was doing this before this broadcast. I got here early because I was working on my notes. I met a ministerial representative who had met with you this week. Yeah. You know, and it's it's that kind of bumping together. You're absolutely right. It, it is necessary for us. And I mean, I suppose this is the advantage, not so much Silicon Valley, which is a little more dispersed, but San Francisco itself is that you're constantly running into these mm-hmm. people at the cafe or at the restaurant or wherever it might mm-hmm. be. So how do we how do we start to really jumpstart that? Because, because we are so geographically dispersed. I mean, mm-hmm. we can't just bring all the people together. I mean, as much as you have everyone in one building here Mm -hmm. how do you solve that or do you Mm. do you just deal with it so i think density is really important which is some of the uh, the reason we've we've grown fish burners quite a lot in the one area and we tried another location but you lose that density Mm -hmm. um uh, density is very important uh i think what i'm talking about is sharing lessons between you know fish burners and river city labs and uh, sharing success stories and one of the things i've noted is that australians and even people in the ecosystem aren't sharing the amazing success stories that are happening and uh, therefore the role models aren't getting out the best ways of working because Australia is such a, I'll call it an immature ecosystem, like we're growing and it's organically growing, but we're not, we don't have 20 years of of history. well, we do have 20 years of history. We don't have a, you know, we're not like Silicon Valley or Tel Aviv or right. anything. Um, the uh, the people that are here need to start sharing their lessons because they're learning yeah. everything themselves. So, you know, Murray that runs Fish Burners needs to be talking to Peter that runs River City Labs, yeah. needs to be talking to Brody who runs Space Cubed and sharing the lessons. So, like, at Fish Burners, we've got the coffee machine down here, which is an amazing initiative, one of our, you know, most successful. Um, <laughs> but it's very cheap to replicate up at River City Labs or up in, you know, Space Cubed and yes. um, just share those little uh, things that make a big difference. And um, that is, you know, if I want to toot my own horn, that is one of the points of this podcast is Mm -hmm. to actually get people 
in here talking about what they're doing so that people not only feel that they can learn from one another, but that they feel less alone in what they're doing, mm. right? That there's someone who has encountered the same issues or has had the same triumphs, whatever it's going to be, but they're going to get a feeling that there's, it's possible to learn from other people mm. here in whatever they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd, I'd say one, you know, the listeners, um, if you if you want to get involved in the startup ecosystem and you're not, it's very friendly and warm. You can come here, go to a, go to a pitch night, go to a meetup, you'll meet some people and within in two months, you'll know 90% of the ecosystem, mm. um, which is really, really amazing. And I think it, it might look scary, uh, but it's really not scary. And it's very easy to get networked in and uh, everyone is happy to introduce you to other people. Okay. So I, I'll just assume that you're going to be able to raise the money. I don't, I'm not going to worry about that. But mm -hmm. there's the establishing the political connections. Mm -hmm. So how is that going? How do you attack that? Do you just go, okay, here's everyone I need to meet in every state. You make appointments with them. Is it is it as simple as that? And if so, then what's the message you're bringing to them? Um, so it is as simple as that for me. So I've got a uh, history of sales and I'm, you know, as an entrepreneur, quite persistent and don't mind cold calling offices. And um, obviously we've got uh, amazing directors, board board members that know a lot of these ministers, particularly at a state level and city mm -hmm. level anyway. Mm -hmm. um, at a federal uh, level, we're very lucky that the media wants to talk about startups and the importance. Um, and when you get on Sky News or you get into the front page of The Australian, the ministers call you um, and, and talk to you, uh, which is awesome. And we're, we're lucky... Uh, that the, the Australian media does want to write about this. Uh, when I when I get in there, um, one of the things I've noted is when well, we've got the Crossroads report, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, which is a 90-page document about um, why and how, um, but I don't think we understand as a nation the why, the vision of why we need to be supporting innovation. Mm -hmm. And if you looked at the uh, the Premier's speech when she released the Advanced Queensland um, program on, on Monday. Right, so just, just this week, uh, for listeners, the Queensland budget was handed down and it featured a lot of incentives for startups, mm -hmm. right? So I'm sure that when we do our next uh, news panel, we'll cover that, but that won't be for some months now. Mm. So, yeah. So, so that was a $180 million package, but what I was, um, which is which is fantastic, yeah. and it's great that Queensland's leading that, uh, was the uh, the Premier's speech, which is all around uh, high-growth companies creating jobs, um, and uh, they talked about the multiplier effect of startups or, or um, you know, high-growth companies, particularly tech startups. They had a five-to-one multiplier on jobs, so for every job in the startup, there was five other jobs out in the wider economy that were created because of that jobs. Uh, which is three times higher than traditional sectors like manufacturing um, and and um, and mining, uh, and that's why the Queensland government's um, backed that program. Right. Well, just... never mind the fact that manufacturing is kind of going away and mining is collapsing. So. Mm -hmm. You're going to need something else. So it makes Absolutely. sense. Um, so it's looking at the vision. And for me, um, the vision is if we want to know where we're going to be working in the future, what our kids are going to be doing, what mm. we're going to be doing, the kind of jobs we're going to be having um, when uh, industries change, um, we need to be supporting those innovators. And that innovation we want to be happening in Australia. We don't want our biggest companies, our banks, our um, retail companies, our um, you know telephone companies buying services entirely from overseas innovators we've got very smart people in australia um and we need to back our australian companies and our australian innovators um which is the vision for me and if we understand the the why we can discuss the how you're listening to this week in startups australia we'll be right back hi this is mark pesci and let me give a final great big shout out 
to our series sponsors, Optus Innovate. They have been providing funding to Australian startups and support to the entire Australian startup community. They're led by Alfred Lowe. And the whole Optus Innovate team are awesome to work with. They're big supporters of the scene, including Fishburners, where we make the show, Innovation Bay, all sorts of events. You've always seen them because they're always out there helping startups. They're also an active local VC, and they're looking for Series A investment opportunities. And beyond that, Optus Innovate can also help connect your startup with Optus for partnership and business development opportunities. Find out more at optusinnovate.com.au. This is Mark Pesci, and we're back with Peter Brad, the newly minted interim CEO of Startup Oz. So, Peter, you've alluded to this Crossroads report. What is this report? Awesome. So uh, the Crossroads report was released uh, last year, and we've just released an update last month. Um, it's a, a comprehensive document that sets out uh, the reason why um, we should be, as a nation, paying attention to tech startups. Um, so we look at what startups are, uh, why they're important from a job creation point of view, why they're different from other industries or other types of um, uh uh, companies um, and we look at um, we set out an action plan so we've got eight action items and for each action item we go through how other countries are, are trying to achieve that action item so other policies and strategies they're putting in place um, it's been very well received by federal government state governments local governments very comprehensively um, read uh, it's a fact-driven report so that's mm. uh, it's full of facts um, uh, and um, the aim is to to tell or to help policymakers realise they don't need to reinvent the wheel. They can go out there and get best practice from other ecosystems that are really growing quite fast. And, and politicians, they love that because they don't like doing something that no one else has ever done any bef before ever. It makes them deeply nervous, particularly in Australia. I think Americans, yeah, we'll make something up; it'll be fine. But. Australians, so they want to know what's happened in the UK. They maybe know what's going to happen in Singapore. There's a couple, and New Zealand occasionally, mm. when they remember. So what the update shows is that Australia is falling uh, very far behind what other countries are doing. And it's not that we're, we're we're moving slowly forward, but other countries are moving rapidly forward. Why? Why are the countries moving rapidly forward? Because um, they've realised the vision and how important the vision is. And they're putting in, um, you know, um, eight, uh, China's got an $8 billion plan, I think, I don't know the exact statistics, but even New Zealand mm. is putting in a, in, in a lot of money and a lot of um, initiatives oh. around supporting their ecosystem. Well, we had Chris Twist from the New Zealand Venture Investment Fund on the show when I was in New Zealand earlier this series, and it was amazing listening to him about how straightforward it is, but that it's really all about partnerships so that they, they'll invest, but they invest in syndicates. And so what they do is they act as a catalyst for the industry in New Zealand in a way that we we don't do it here. You're absolutely right. So um, we set out around that vision in the Crossroads Report, we talk about the ecosystem and what you need as an entrepreneur to be successful. Mm. And I believe as an entrepreneur that we want to be um, playing by this, at least the same rules as our counterparts in other countries. If you, you're playing on a global playing field, everyone's competing for the same global customers. You want to be playing by at least the same rules. And for the same global talent that's mm. actually creating these companies too. Absolutely. And do we have trouble retaining and attracting talent in Australia? 
So um, we've got great talent here. We just don't have enough of it. So we've got, um, I think the, the stats are we have 12,000 graduates in engineering and only 4,000 stay. Um, it is difficult to, we don't have a, well, we've got an entrepreneurship visa, but the minimum you need to um, have in venture capital is a million dollars compared with other countries that are between 50 and 100,000 um, dollars. Uh, other countries do things like they'll pay the, help pay the staff wages, um, Australia, and particularly Sydney, has got a very high cost of living. Yes. Uh, we used to have the Laffer Allowance. They've re- removed the Laffer Allowance. What's the Laffer Allowance? What was that? They're living away from home allowance. So if you're living away from your um, place of residence, uh, you get a tax deduction to help with the increased cost of living away from home. Um, the government's taken that away. So uh, when um, uh, human capital is very mobile mm. and there's a, there's a huge demand and it's very... The competition is fierce internationally. Other countries are demanding the talent because they know they need the talent to build the innovation to help spur on the economy. All right. So, you know, you said that the third part of your job is to improve the ecosystem, to make the ecosystem work better. If I were going to give you the sonic screwdriver so that you could fix anything you wanted with it, what would you start with? I would start with, um, so I, I'm a big believer in uh, two plus two can equal more than four. Um, and uh, I, I'm a big believer in that. And, and Fishbone is a perfect example mm. of a group of people coming together and being more than the sum of its parts. Um, I would like the ecosystem, um, so the incubators, the accelerators, everyone to be sharing a lot more and working together. So if you want to get an entrepreneur in residence, an amazing person for the States, let's get together and bring them out here. And share them around. And share them around. Right. Why then everyone trying to do these individual things right. um, and not get the, the, the bigger benefit that we could be getting. And it also makes it probably more appealing for that talented person because they get to see more of what's going on. They get to see more of Australia because some people might come out here for six months, bring the family, you know, and make, make a trip of it as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Fishburners has a purpose to foster tech entrepreneurship in Australia. Mm. Startup Oz is about transitioning where our mission is to transition Australia through tech on, on technology entrepreneurship. So, they're big Australian-focused organisations. Um, you've got um, uh, local organisations like Startup Victoria and Startup WA as well, um, Startup Tasmania. Um, just trying to get everyone talking together and working better together and communicating about what's important to them um, and sharing the lessons and the messages rather than everyone trying to create their own crossroads report or their own uh, things that share the limited resources we've got to create more with it. So if you were going to identify the biggest problem in the startup ecosystem, is it a political problem? Is it a cultural problem? Is it a financial problem? Where, Which one, if you wanted to point to something, you know, whether or not Startup Oz is able to fix it, but this is just drawing mm. from all of your own years of experience here because you've pretty much seen everything now. It's a, it's a very interesting question. I think it's a cultural problem. I think that uh, Australians aren't uh, naturally entrepreneurship if you compare them to other countries. Um, They're naturally inventive, though. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's part of the natural national myth, and it's quite true. But there's, it's a different set of skills. Mm. So uh, we've got a lot of uh, you know quality inventors. Um, I don't think everyone uh, naturally feels that they can create a job instead of take a job. I know when I started uh, my, when I was, you know, um, have, I've still got my own business, but when I started, a lot of my friends thought I was unemployed. Um, <laughs> you know, just just go and get a job, essentially, is what they were saying to me. And I'm like, I've got a job. I'm creating a, 
a business, which wouldn't probably happen in America or right. other places. They would realize that you're being an entrepreneur. Um, so I think that I think one of the fixes to that is um, from a leadership level. Let's get the PM starting to talk about entrepreneurship more um, and buy into that vision. And that's the kind of message you hear from other leaders in other countries like, you know, the UK and um, America and um, Singapore. Their leadership is talking about it. We we don't seem and this is my these are my own perceptions coming through on uh, but we don't seem to have a government that really has a taste for the innovation i mean I, I see a lot of lip service now that said you know we're getting the employee share scheme fixed apparently uh equity crowdfunding for companies is on a fast track now there's going to be a discussion paper going around i only learned that this week so there's some really interesting things and certainly the the visa changes that will allow people to to basically buy their way into australia but some of that money goes into an investment fund so there are some interesting things around that that may change the game quite a lot but do we also need to see a consistent you know a consistent focus on innovation that that it's a core australian value not just mm -hmm. something that we're going to sort of twist some policy dials on yeah absolutely i think it needs to be um, a cultural thing we need to be teaching our kids so they can uh, again create a job not not take a job um uh, one of the things Australia doesn't have, and Ian Chubb said we're one of the three countries in the OECD that don't have a, a coherent innovation policy, mm. um, which is why you get these little um, small tweaks in certain things. Like, so the ESS changes, the employee share option scheme changes came in um, July 1, which is mm. fantastic. Yes. However, they haven't fixed the uh, legislation around the prospectus. So the aim of options is, and, and the aim, the government aim, in, in my view, is to have high growth companies that are employing more than 20 staff. Um, at 20 staff that are, have options, you then need to issue a prospectus, which is a disincentive to issuing options to more than 20 staff, which is a disincentive um, to growing it that quickly. We need to remove that disincentive. Is this that's because of ASIC rules? Yeah, it's so we need to change. Rule. Yeah, so we need to change the legislation specifically for startups. Yeah, yeah. Um, if we had a coherent innovation policy, that probably would have already happened. Yeah, um, startup Oz and a few others like this is a, a big problem for the Atlassian founders, Mike Cannon Brooks and Scott Farquhar. Yeah. Uh, they've spoken about it a lot, and they've spent a lot of money trying to get around yes. how they do that. Um, you know, Minister Bilson's supportive, but again, it's a legislation change, uh, and it just goes back to that coherent innovation policy. I mean, that's just one small thing. Um, and the employee share option schemes was a was a byproduct of um, of them cancelling them because of you know the big bankers uh, were were rotting the system. But the byproduct was was that if we had a coherent innovation policy, that would have probably gone through them and um, not happened in the first place. Yeah. All right. Final question. So you're the interim CEO. Does that mean that you're really just here to fix things up and walk off set or do you really do you expect that maybe once you've raised the money you're going to want to take this on as a full-time role so i'm still um I, I am a founding director and i remain i'm i will remain a director um, and involved in the business um my aim is to, to raise enough money so we can employ a full-time ceo and for them to have um, a couple of staff probably somebody with a little bit more patience than myself <laughs> um, i'm a very impatient um, um you know outcome focused person i like to get results very quickly um uh, and politics doesn't work that way unfortunately so i'm hoping to get some quick fixes but some of the long-term things i just i want to get in there i want to set it up um do the sales work that we need to do and then employ someone with a different skill set to come in and execute long term peter 
thank you very much for being a guest on the final episode of Series 2 of This Week in Startups Australia. Thanks for having me. Hi, this is Mark Pesci. I'd like to take a moment to talk to you about a project that's really close to my heart. Now, in the past few years, I've done my own crowdfunding campaigns and I've helped other folks do their crowdfunding campaigns. And now I'm ready to pass along the secrets of successful crowdfunding. So this August, I'm leading masterclasses in Melbourne and in Sydney that will help you to find your backers They'll show you how to set your goals and they'll teach you everything you need to know to execute a successful crowdfunding campaign. Crowdfunding is the new way to bring your startup or your album or your film or your book to life. Find out more at markpesci.com slash crowdfunding. A few months back, when I was hanging out with Melbourne Matt Allen, he told me about this startup he was working with and he explained what they did and I didn't get it. So he explained again, and I didn't get it. And he explained again, this time he used smaller words. Now, eventually I did get it. And it's not because I was unusually dense that evening. Yeah, I'd had a couple glasses, but, but whatever. All right, it isn't that. It's because the startup, Tagged, is doing something that's so elegant, so powerful, and yet so simple. It actually takes some time to see it for what it is, which is that it's a great startup idea. Alex Haggerty, the founder of Tagged, is with us now on This Week in Startups Australia. Welcome, Alex. And why don't we start with you telling our listeners exactly what Tagged does? Well, at Tagged, we uh, essentially integrate customer photos from Instagram into e-commerce in a very different and unique way than what's been done in the past. So typically, you might go to a, a website and see a little strip or a feed of images at the bottom of the page that's coming from Instagram. But What we do is we're taking customer photos and using that to drive uh, overall e-commerce sort of sales and engagement. So it's taking social content beyond just a a social feed and display and actually putting it to work to drive sales and engagement for brands. So uh, what what you're saying is that when I'm looking online to buy something, when I'm buying shoes or shirt or whatever it might be, uh, on the retailer's site, I would be able to see this feed of all of these photos of other people who have bought the same product? Exactly. So uh, it's essentially a product catalog. So for a few of our clients, they actually add it to their top navigation because it's converting so highly. I mean, on average, with some of our clients, we're seeing 80% of all their sales actually result through our platform. Uh, and- so. Okay, well, Sorry, so wait a second. But no, no, this sounds like an insane little bit of secret sauce then. I mean, so if you show someone what other folks are doing with that thing, they're more likely to buy that thing? Yes, exactly. It's 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 doing multiple things simultaneously. It's both validating the purchase decision before they've even made it. They can see how a, a shirt or a pair of shoes or jewelry looks on a real person, someone that they can relate to as opposed to a model or something that's perfectly displayed in the right lighting and the right positioning. They're instead seeing how it looks and how it presents and how it's worn in in the real world by someone that they can relate to, which is far more powerful than, uh, than any produced stock content out there. So how is this different from something like Pinterest, which is very well, much around that as well, right? Yeah, well, Pinterest is, is really... Uh, pulling in content into their own website. And a lot of the content itself is coming from uh, websites and brands that are producing their own content. 
wanting to display their own products. Whereas what we're doing is we're really putting the control in the customer's hands and allowing them to tell their story, how they're engaging with their favorite brands, how they're wearing their products uh, and what they're doing with it uh, in a realistic environment, not a staged, perfectly positioned, perfectly placed way. <laughs> okay, so I'm, this is something then that goes into a client website. It's something that you build in as a service inside of a client website? That's correct. And is it hard? I mean, if I have the my retailing outlets, let's say I'm, I'm David Jones or something and I want this at, at my retail point, how hard is it for me to be able to build this into my website? If you were doing it yourself, uh, you could build something that would be lacking our secret source. So uh, our system really takes care of collecting this large volume of content. I mean, that many million photos are uploaded each day to Instagram alone that being able to find content that's on brand and relevant to you is challenging enough. But being able to sort through the, the millions of photos that are available to you to find exactly what's relevant on brand and what's going to convert that's where we come in, and that's our, our secret source and really makes us special. All right, so that means the tagged is literally relevance as a service. Exactly. Right, okay, all right, good. So, so you can mainline this relevance into your website and you can immediately increase conversions. And of course, those two are the magic words that every salesperson in the universe likes to hear. They have it as their mantra, I will increase conversions. So what's a sales cycle for you like? When you show this to a customer, do they go, I don't believe this? Or do they go, actually, wow, this is amazing? Or It's, it's a combination of both. Initially, probably, I don't believe this. Uh, I mean, a lot of e-commerce sites particularly put a lot of money into A-B testing, conversion testing, just the placement of buttons, just to see what extra point of a percentage they can get out of it. So when I come in and, and give them all the facts that we see on average, you know, a 200% increase time on site, 12% uh, decrease in product uh, returns, uh, increased conversion rates and the like, it's, it's somewhat mind-boggling to them that this sort of social content can have that impact. But the fact is, it's not being used in this way to drive sales and engagement. And it's it's a relatively uh, new and innovative means that a lot of e-commerce practices uh, haven't heard of before. All right, so we're going to talk about your clients in a second, but where did the brainwave come from that led to tags? It arose from a, a previous startup I had that was subsequently acquired. I was looking for ways to be able to utilize I guess, free marketing. I mean, at the time, Instagram was really starting to take off and a lot of brands were really making an emphasis on, on Facebook, but that just didn't make sense to me. Having to pay money to acquire followers and customers and then pay more money to engage with them, it was just, it, it didn't make any logical sense. I couldn't understand why any brand would do that. And Instagram was really starting to take off at that point. A lot of content was coming up and customers were naturally and without incentive uploading photos of their new purchases of the products and tagging those brands in them, you know, hashtag whatever the brand may be. Mm -hmm. And brands weren't having to really do any incentivizing around it. They weren't encouraging it. This is happening organically. And uh, the idea came about, well, look, let's, let's tap into this content that's organic, that's real, that's natural, uh, and work out ways that we can really drive sales. And the idea was to put that into the, the previous business, which was a, a fashion marketplace. Uh, but at the time, we, we didn't have the time to really to do it and set it up. 
uh, business was acquired. And from that point, we thought, look, this is a product in itself. Let's let's move forward with this. Mm-hmm. So it has a very so it's an organic outgrowth. I mean, it's interesting when people find a new startup inside of their startup. We talked to James Chin Moody earlier this series, and he found Sendel, his startup inside of Two Share, which was another startup. So this is one startup literally sort of giving birth to another startup because it's solving a problem. Yes, exactly. All right. So what kinds of clients, if you can talk about it, what kinds of clients have you already lined up for for, for tagged? Well, the big one at the moment that we're, we're up and running with uh, that I can probably give some base numbers on is uh, Mimco, who are part of the, the Country Road Group. So mm-hmm. they were the, the brand we initially trialed with, but uh, now we're in the process of implementing and launching with uh, about a dozen others. Uh, and all of these are, are large brands that have uh, hundreds of thousands of, of visitors each month and are doing you know millions in sales. And we'll uh, be able to tell very quickly whether what you have is working or not. Exactly, exactly. So we're not at the moment targeting your small WordPress sites. These are are large custom platforms. (laughs) These are these are big businesses where, uh, you know, even a a 1% increase in conversions uh, leads to an ROI that can be, you know, 10 times. So uh, on average, we're seeing, you know, I, I gave you some of the rough numbers before, but Mimco came on uh, early on. They were the ones that initially believed that, look, there's something here. This could work for us. And uh, for those listeners out there that don't know who Mimco is, it's they're a leading women's fashion and accessories brand in Australia, part of the Country Road Group. And uh, they, they handle social marketing and social media very well. But they were looking for ways to really stand out and differentiate themselves from their competitors to give an experience to their customers that would keep their, their users coming back time and time again. Okay, so uh, last question. What is the future for Tagged? I mean, is it just that you're going to completely dominate the retail space? What's actually on deck here? Well, our focus is purely on e-commerce. We don't want to become another sort of social media uh, channel that's used for promotions and things like that. We're all about e-commerce and engagement. And I guess long term, we're looking to expand into other verticals, not just fashion, but uh, we're already making steps into the likes of uh, travel and a few others, but mm. really starting to bring the the customer experience into the way other shoppers or users are engaging with those brands to help drive that that slight change that be that difference between I'm browsing to I'm buying. <laughs> and on that note, Alex, thank you very much for being on this week in Startups Australia. Mark, my pleasure. <laughs> Hi, this is Mark Pesci. I'd like to tell you about Studio Mint. They're Australia's only interior design consultancy that works specifically with fast-growing technology companies. With a strong knowledge of the Australian tech space and an understanding of the unique needs of hyper-growth businesses, Studio Mint delivers unique, sustainable, and affordable office spaces that look pretty damn cool. The team from Studio Mint works to a philosophy that's based around activity, productivity, and well-being. All of that in the workplace, designing great-looking office spaces that people actually want to work in. Visit studiomint.com twist today. Okay, folks, here we are. It's the end of Series 2. It has been a real journey. We've covered a lot of ground. And what's really interesting is just this week, something really wonderful started happening. I've been to a bunch of events, and and everywhere I go, 
people have been coming up to me and they've been telling me how much they like Twista. It's really, really nice to hear that. Thank you so much. You know, it's really good to know that you're out there listening because, you know, the thing with the podcast, you just sort of, in some ways, you throw it over the wall and you hope people will listen to it. And you hope people will like it. And you hope people will share it. But you don't know. And it made me think that it was a good time to reflect on kind of all that we've covered now. We started off, you know, and I wanted to start off with someone big. So I got Cam Adams, who is really well known in the startup community in Sydney, really well known in design circles. Maybe you hadn't heard of him before, but he's now going from strength to strength at Canva. So funny story, Canva's offices are over in Surrey Hills here in Sydney. And there's a particular coffee shop called Sample that's right down the street from where their offices are. And I will go to that coffee shop when I'm in Surrey Hills because it's got really good coffee. And every time I'm there, there's this crowd of Canva engineers that are out there waiting for their coffees. And the crowd has keep getting larger and larger and larger. And now I'm swamped by this crowd of Canva engineers, all of whom are ahead of me in line trying to get their coffees. And it's a real sign that that business is doing so well. And it ties in. So we had Craig Blair on from Airtree VC on the second half of that show. And, you know, he was talking about the fact that he'd looked at 200 business plans and he'd maybe found two that he was going to fund. And he was not really all that optimistic. But I saw Craig Blair this week and we had a good chat. And he was really happy because he said, Mark, we've actually made eight investments. We Pawshake, which we knew about when he recorded, Design Crowd, which I think was closing at the time we recorded, Glam Corner, Canva. So that's really interesting. So he actually went in and invested in Cameron Adams' company, Tidy Me, Ed Rollo, and Ento. So there's, there's, oh, there's only seven companies there. So you know what? He actually said, Mark, I want you to make the announcement about the eighth investment. And so I am very pleased to be able to announce that Airtree VC has just invested in a company called Brosa, which is an online designer furniture store, which features apparently beautiful furniture directly from craftsmen. You can go to the website. You can order up exactly what you want. Apparently, you'll pay a lot less than you do in the shop. So it's an e-commerce company, but it sounds like it's a bit of a niche and so probably really well suited for the market. So it's really good. And, and the thing Craig said is that the fund is now half invested and he thinks that they're actually ahead of schedule. And I, I have to tell you, I was skeptical when he was sitting here I was like, you know, are you really trying? Well, apparently, actually, they were really trying. It just takes time to get the deals going. So the next episode was the episode on connected labor. And it was my pleasure to have Jen George from One Shift on the show. Jen George, at 23, is arguably the most impressive entrepreneur I have seen at that age, male or female. She is on it. She knows what she's doing. She is executing. And I had the opportunity to go to her offices a few weeks later because I was writing a report on connected labor. And I'll, I'll put that report, a link to that report into our Tumblr so you can take a look at it because I needed to interview her because she's, you know, at the coalface of understanding how people are working and how jobs are changing in the future. And the thing that she showed me in that conversation was she not only understood the business that she was in, but she understood where the business was going, that in order to actually keep people 
in a pool of connected labor. You had to keep upskilling them. And she showed me how they were actually going to start to educate people and offer them educational services. And when I heard that, I understood that this is actually going to be the future of probably tertiary education. It's going to start to have this kind of aspect that you're going to be in a labor pool that's going to be skilling you up while you're in the pool. And then, of course, we had James Chin Moody on talking about Sendel, which was this startup that he found inside of the startup that he was working on called TwoShare. And it was only a few weeks after he was on the show that they got a million and a half dollars in funding for that. And then we had Pete Cooper on with Ben Grubb on the news special. And we talked about all of the employee share scheme changes that Peter and I were talking about at the start of the show. And then after that, well... The diversity in tech episode. I have to say this is one of the episodes that's closest to my heart because you cannot say enough about getting more diversity in tech, particularly gender. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we need to do there. And it was a real pleasure to talk to Laura McKenzie from Scale Investors. And you have a reminder this week of how important this discussion is because the SID Start Conference posted their initial lineup. They're going to have their big event in October. They posted their initial lineup on Monday or Tuesday, and it was immediately pointed out that everyone they had in their lineup was a guy. And if that weren't bad enough, I was talking to someone else this week who got to see that lineup before it was released and said to them, you know, these are only guys. And that might be a problem. And that didn't change anything. And so we have a problem here where even when the issue is being pointed out, people aren't listening. And it shouldn't be that way. We should always be thinking about getting a whole range of voices in because that's the kind of environment that's going to lead to the best outcomes for everyone. All right off the soapbox and over to New Zealand. And it was my real pleasure to be able to go over to New Zealand with uh, Zach Pollen and talk to some amazing people. So Chris Twist, who runs the New Zealand Venture Investment Fund, gave us a real tour through a landscape that because it's small, is forced to be collaborative and is also forced to grow companies that have an intense international focus. And then we got to talk to companies that were actually local, but doing really well. So BizDojo, which has basically got these business workspaces and StretchSense, which has got this incredible product, you know, very strong engineering focus that allows you to have stretch fabrics that can be read very carefully by censored sensors. And these companies are market leaders. They are breaking out and it's because it's a small community that is dedicated to sharing with one another. And you could hear Peter earlier saying, this is what we need in Australia. And it became really, really clear when I was in New Zealand that that is exactly what we need. Now, while we're here, while we're talking about New Zealand, I want to say a few words about the place that I stayed when I was in New Zealand, the Hotel de Brett. Now, I have been going to New Zealand for seven years back and forth. And when I'm in Auckland, I 
always stay at the Hotel de Brett. It is a boutique hotel and it is one of the most beautiful buildings I have ever been in. I will post some pictures to the Tumblr so you can see in how incredibly beautiful and trippy it is. The rooms are beautiful. The service is incredible. The restaurant, which I've eaten in, is one of the best restaurants in Auckland, one of the best restaurants in New Zealand. It's like something out of a magazine. Now, the best thing is, is that I am able to give you a very special offer from my friends at the Hotel de Brett. If you are going to be in Auckland any time in the next three months, I want you to mail reservations at hoteldebrett.com. In the subject line, put Mark Pesci sent me. Let them know that you're going to be visiting Auckland. They're going to come back to you with a special. They might give you a bottle of wine. They might give you a special rate. Who knows? Once again, reservations at hoteldebrett.com. Subject line, Mark Pesci sent me. I'm going to put that information on our Tumblr too so you can all take it up because it is a fantastic place and if you are going to New Zealand you want to stay there okay the next episode after I came back from New Zealand was all about growth and we had an opportunity to talk to one of the fastest growing startups in Australia VinoMofo Justin and Andre, they gave us the funniest interview we had on the series. If you want to giggle, listen to that interview. And it was the only interview we've done so far that had to be censored because we used some bad words. And after we got them out of the studio, we talked to the Ian and Danny from GoFar. They had just the day before completed a Kickstarter campaign and raised $160,000. They were kicking back and enjoying the success. And I've been talking to them lately. You know, they're now facing their next mountains, which is delivering the product and also now raising the kind of investment that they need to make them more successful. And then we had... Another new special, we had Dean Durrell from Carthona Capital and Josh Taylor. We contemplated what happens when the sky starts raining money from all of these visas, from these high net worth individuals who are buying permanent residency in Australia. And I keep on hearing different numbers about how much money is going to be coming in when. It looks like there's going to be a test project that will bring in maybe $50 million very soon. No one knows yet how that money is going to be spent or where that's going to be spent or how it works. So watch this space. And then the episode before this one. I have to admit that I have a very special spot for our last show, the show on failure. It was not easy to make. And for me, it wasn't all that easy to listen to. I hadn't heard my interview with Matt Allen until I recorded it. No, I shouldn't say that. I hadn't heard it since I listened to the episode. And when I listened to it, it brought back a lot of the raw pain that goes hand in hand with the end of the startup. You know, some parts of that are always going to be fresh. But I can tell you this, seven months later, it feels a lot better. And it's good to know that it can feel a lot better, that you can get over your failures. So there it is. That was series two. I feel like I've learned a lot. And like Peter Brad, I feel like I want to do something to make things better for entrepreneurs. And hopefully Twista in some tiny little way is doing that because it is hard bringing a startup to life. Raising a child is probably the only harder thing that people willingly choose to do. And you'd want as much support in that as you can. There are incubators, there are co-working spaces like Fishburners, there are networking groups, there are mailing lists. 
but it still feels like it's a world apart, like the rest of the world out there, big business, big government, all those institutions that frame our lives in Australia. They're not really in tune with this. None of them are trying to make it easier to innovate. And why would they? Innovation, innovation upsets apple carts. Innovation redistributes power. So policy settings, they're kind of set against startups. That's not great. But you know what? Entrepreneurs, they don't care about the policy settings. They create because they have to create. And I should say we create because I'm just like that. Now, is that going to get easier? Maybe. Maybe if Peter is a little bit successful. But don't gamble on that. The best we can hope for is continued indifference. So if you want to see links to the Startup Australia Crossroads 2015 report or the deal for the Hotel de Brett or some podcasts from earlier shows, check out our Tumblr at twistartupsaus.tumblr.com. Big thanks to Twister sponsors Optus Innovate and Studio Mint. Their support has made this podcast possible. Huge thanks to Felix Guamuth and AnalogCabin.net for his continual hard work over this series, making a podcast that's a joy to listen to, no matter the audio quality that I give him. And sometimes that has been a trial. Thanks again to Peter Brad and Alex Haggerty for taking the time to come on to our show. Now, I'm happy to announce that we will be back in September with the start of Series 3 of Twista. I hope you'll join us. Until then... This is Mark Pesci thanking you all for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.